Dr. Bud Pierce and welcome to Oregon Crossroads where we talk about all manner of topics uh, from a perspective of freedom and prosperity and obviously what's dominating the airwaves and the news at this time is COVID-19, the coronavirus infection, the pandemic that is sweeping the world. Lots of fear out there, lots of fear. Let's, let's talk to today about where we really are. So I'm Bud Pierce practicing medical oncologist. I've been, I checked into the hospital today around six o'clock. Different screening, uh, we're getting screened as we go in because one of the issues is we wanna make sure the medical people are well to take care of you if you need medical services. So have to do a little screening, how are we feeling, get our temperature taken. I was joking with them if we needed a day off, we could drink some hot coffee before the temperature is taken, but obviously they're not doing that. So we got through the screening, saw my seven or eight patients in the hospital, Everything looks good. One of the comments on the hospital, uh, pretty empty. And again, it's pretty empty because we're diverting uh, as many patients as possible to uh, delay uh, procedures and treatments that are elective because we want to have the capacity for the surge that is anticipated. And I want you to remember one date, and that's April 11th. By our modeling in our community, by April 11th, we'll know what we really face. That's when we expect to have the maximal surge in cases of COVID-19. And we're preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. And that's what we always do. And if you come to the hospital, you're gonna notice a few things. Um, you can't check in unless you're a patient. They want minimal visitors. Uh, they wanna keep uh, as many people away from the facility as possible. Again, because we don't wanna infect the medical staff because the medical staff is taking care of sick people anyway. And we don't want people who don't need to be there to cause the medical staff to be sick because then there won't be enough medical staff to take care of you. The structure that's been put into place is great. We anticipate we'll have plenty of staff to take care of you in case you need to be hospitalized. And that's what it's really about. We've really ramped up our critical care capacity. Um, speaking to Dr. Johnson, a good friend of mine who's the director of the ICU, they can go to 80 ventilators. I know people don't like to hear about that. So we've got up to that number at Salem Health, the governor's setting up the hospital at the fairgrounds, all the hospitals are ramping up. Right now, uh, we have three confirmed cases sick in our ICU with COVID-19 at Salem Health. Um, and so that's where we really are, so three cases. So now let's talk about the numbers and, and, and where we uh, really are. So in America so far, um, or, in, or let's talk about Oregon, we've had 88 confirmed cases and we've had three deaths. Now, the reality of that is we don't have any idea how many cases we have because we can't actually test people. A typical influenza, and this is not an influenza, this is different, but a typical influenza season 50, 60, 70 million people are infected. And usually about 50,000 deaths are, are occurring. So, but this is different, so I, but I, I want to give you a sense of the magnitude. Now, since we started tracking deaths from coronavirus in America, uh, which is what people really want to know. Uh, we've had 217, and that's since about February 21st, uh, January 21st. Now, we have about 2.8 million deaths in America each year. We're a large country. People die of old age, cancer, heart disease, accidents, etc. So during the time we've lost 217 people from coronavirus, about 460,000 Americans have lost their life because of cancer, heart disease, and old age. So again, at this point in time, a tiny number, a tiny number. Now, again, we don't know where this is going to go, but again, I think our, our sense should be realistic that while this is certainly scary, it's certainly scary, so far, 
the numbers are not in themselves frightening. The potential is what's scaring us, but the numbers themselves are not frightening. Interesting to see the differences around the world. Um, in China, uh, in Wuhan, there, if you look at the Chinese death rate that's reported, very low from coronavirus. It's almost like it peaked and it came down and pretty quickly. If you look at Japan, they've, they've basically had nothing. And we're not quite sure what that's about. Is it the Japanese are different, better management? That seems kind of odd. Is there some other cofactors or resistance in the Japanese population? Europe looks terrible. Uh, Italy's a disaster, struggling like crazy. But again, if you look at the history of these things, um, even in the time where people didn't know about social distancing, quarantine and all that, infections come through populations and they do end. They do end, so I want you to keep that in mind. So keep in mind that this is not anticipated from a medical point of view to likely go on and on and on. And again, we think we're gonna hit peak around April 11th. And that's why everything has been so shut down and isolation, trying to flatten the curve so the medical system has plenty of capacity. And honestly, we do think we have plenty of capacity. Now, what about treatments? Um, so the Chinese reported last week that there was a, there's an antiviral drug that is used in Japan against influenza and that that drug is actually being tested in America against influenza. And they reported that in a couple of research trials that they had, that that antiviral drug looked very effective against COVID-19. Interesting. The uh, French are on this and they've actually reported an interesting uh, small study with hydroxychloroquine, an old fashioned malaria drug and azithromycin ZPAC, and you combine those and they reported a high effect in clearing the virus. So I would not at all be surprised that if we didn't have a directive to doctors over the next week or two saying we have some effective treatments that look promising in other countries, we don't need to spend six to 12 months in this country reproducing that data, but that will give us doctors the option to treat people when they're hospitalized and sick with the viral infection. So again, treatment is moving, and then obviously vaccine trials are already starting. So again, I think where we are right now is lots of fear, and it's, re and it's reasonable to be fearful at some level, but you gotta think about where we really are. Where we really are is we have a healthcare delivery system that is gearing up for the worst case scenario, and we hope it's not the worst case scenario, that we have plenty of capacity in the system. I know you hear about shortages and things, but I'll tell you that typically when we have a patient in an, in an isolation kind of situation, uh, the providers will go into the room maybe a half a dozen multiple times a day and gearing up and gloving up and gowning up and masking up, and you can figure out how to be a little bit more efficient with, with going in the room and how you use supplies. So there's, there, there, there's gonna be adequate supplies. Plenty of space to take care of you and your loved ones if you need to be cared for going to feel kind of odd because again the intensive screening of people going in and out of healthcare facilities because we don't want to make the provider sick and so that's going to feel a little bit jarring this morning when I when I screened in it felt like I was back in Marine Corps and we were going through like a line of that the military did and they were giving us a shot and stuff it just had that kind of feeling but again it's okay it seems alarming to us because it's so different but the healthcare system is ready in case we need it uh, treatments are being worked out um, we've isolated ourselves. You can't say that we're not taking this seriously. I mean, it's a ghost town out there in Salem and, and all around the country. And the hope is that this will turn out far better than we can imagine. So with that, be optimistic, uh, be positive, uh, enjoy your loved ones, enjoy a little time off. I know most of us would like to work. We're a workaholic society, but it's okay to be home with your loved ones and to, to spend time with them and kind of maybe settle it down a little bit. And I'll be speaking to you again next week and we'll talk about where we are 
and hopefully we're still in a good place. Thank you very much.